cancel culture is where we're at today, and we are, we are in our series. And I, I tell you what I want to do, before I jump into the meat of it, I want to start with a story that is a bit sobering, but I think it introduces a topic we're talking about today. So the story begins in Germany during World War II. The location is the Dachau concentration camp. The Dachau concentration camp was one of the uh, most um, notorious, evil, uh, dangerous places on the earth during that time. It began in March of 1934, 1933, and, and ended in April of 1945. So it was in it was open for business for over 10 years. Over 180,000 people went through there. Tens of thousands of people lost their lives in that place. But it's in that setting uh, is this event that I want to tell you about. There was a Nazi Germany, uh, Nazi uh, soldier who was there, and he saw this young Jewish boy literally starving to death. And in a moment, he felt compassion for this young boy. He felt pity for him. Now, he was not to show any compassion, any concern as a soldier. He could be killed for doing so. But in this moment, things were different. He saw this young boy. He had compassion on him. So he looked around to be sure nobody was seeing him. And he pulled out of his pocket a small potato and tossed it to the boy's feet. And then he walked off. And that young boy grabbed that potato as if he was grabbing his own life. And he began to eat it. And that potato nourished him. And that potato gave him enough energy to keep going. But more than that, more than what it did to his physical body, it gave him a sense of hope that maybe there was some glimmer of kindness still in the world. Some glimmer of, of compassion in the world. That one act of kindness, though it was incredibly unexpected, really illustrates the power of kindness that I want to talk about today, especially in a very hostile world and a very difficult, contentious world in which we live. So I want you to get your Bible. I want you to open it up with me to the book of Titus in the New Testament. And that's where we're going to be today. Titus chapter 3 is where we're going to be landing today. Uh, and the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a man named Titus, all right? That's why it's titled that way. Titus was one of a young kind of protege under the Apostle Paul. They had gone to the island of Crete, which is in the Mediterranean, and they had shared the gospel there on the island of Crete. Apparently, they had a lot of people come to faith in Christ. And so, Paul was moving on uh, to other places to share the gospel, and he left Titus behind to literally, quote, set things in order, end quote. That's what he said in chapter one. He wanted him to organize these believers into churches, to develop leaders and establish leaders that would be there. And that was no small task. Now listen, that's hard to do even today. I mean, we're planting churches through our Cross Creek Network all over the world. It's a challenge and it's work to establish church plants, right? It's difficult work. But it was especially difficult on Crete. And the reason why is because the Cretan people uh, were just difficult people, all right? They kind of had a reputation 
for uh, heels dug in, belligerent, hard-headed, difficult people to deal with. That was, that was a reputation. In fact, the Apostle Paul quotes a Greek philosopher that is talking about the Cretans, and he, he quotes them in chapter 1, verse 5. He said, quote, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons, end quote. Not necessarily a glowing recommendation. Would you agree? All right. I mean, how would you like for that to be said about you and it's written in the Bible? I mean, that would be bad. All right. And that's what he says about the Cretans. They're, they're these bad people in the Bible. That was just their, their reputation. Now, it's kind of funny thing. This week I was studying on this and I found this TripAdvisor review of a lady that went to Crete like recently. And the title of her article says, Nasty People. I'm not, not lying. That's what it says. And so I have to read it because it was so intriguing. So I'm reading into the story. And she had like the, uh, the vacation from hell. I mean, it was terrible. You know, all these terrible things happened. And then at the very end of it, she, I can't believe she wrote this. She said, quote, apparently the Crete people are notorious for being rude, end quote. And I thought, you know, some things never change. All right. I mean, they were, they had a bad reputation back then. Apparently they still have a bad reputation today. Sorry if you're from Crete. Anyway, um, but Titus was left there to establish these churches in a, get this, hostile environment, difficult environment. You with me? Uh, a very resistant environment. How's he going to do that? What's going to set the Christians apart from everybody else so that the gospel is attractive? That's the question. What is it that they could do, these new Christians, that would be so different from the culture that people go, whoa, what's, what's up with that? And he's going to tell us in two words. All right, so let's get into it. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, this is the word of God. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. Now stop there. I want you to get out your pen. I want you to circle. If you got your Bible there, circle the two words in verse 2, be kind. Be kind. He said, if you want to know what's going to really set you apart from the, from the culture, what's really going to set you apart from this critical, negative, hostile culture that you're in, it's kindness. Kindness. Kindness in many ways is unexpected. <laughs> kindness in many ways is, is attractive, right? Uh, when, when you are kind, um, it really sets people back especially in a world where, where it's so hostile. We're, we're living in this cancel culture kind of world where we're so quick to point out faults, we're so quick to condemn, we're so quick to categorize people in large groups to pit them one against the other. We're so quick to that. That's what our culture has become, this contentious me against you kind of approach. And he said, in that kind of tension, what really makes a difference is when you're kind, genuinely kind. It's so disarming. It's so attractive. It's so unusual. It's so different than the world 
around us. Now, you may be thinking, well, okay, I kind of agree with that, but preacher, what kind of kindness are you talking about, right? Because, uh, you know, I can't just be a doormat, right? I, I can't just let people walk all over me. Kindness sounds so weak, right? It, it sounds so, um, you know, uh, passive, right, to be kind. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying it's a different way to live. In fact, in these two verses, he describes what kindness looks like. Now, I'm not going to go into depth on it, but let's just kind of touch on a couple of these. Look at it. First off, he said kindness looks like obeying your authority. Did you know that God has put authority over your life? Did you know that? That, that God has layered levels of authority over you so that our, our society has structure. For example, that God puts parents in your life for a reason. And God has given them authority over parents. God has established pastors and church leaders for the church. God has established teachers and bosses and leaders of structure in our society and authorities. God has put government in authority over us. Did you know in Romans 13, it says that the, the government is established by God and are ministers of God in that they punish those who do wrong and they reward those who do right. That's what it says. You say, wait a minute, what if I don't agree with it, right? What if I don't agree with uh, the government leaders that are there? Then I, I don't have to acknowledge their authority. I don't have to submit or, or respect their authority. No, in fact, the Apostle Paul's writing this, and he's writing this with pagan, evil, violent Roman emperors in place. In fact, he would lose his life on a whim of, of the emperor Nero, so he's certainly not endorsing their stances, but he's saying that part of kindness is recognition and respect for authority. Another thing he says is this, um, do good, be ready for every good to work, eager to bless, eager to serve, ready to care for others, ready to show compassion, especially to the poor and the needy and those who are disenfranchised. Another one, don't slander. He says, slander no one. That word slander means, bla or is the Greek word blasphemy. It means don't talk evil about anybody. Now, I know that you would never uh, do that online. Uh, you would never, never do that, right? Uh, but, but, so let me just break this down for you. Uh, what he's saying is this, uh, uh, hating on someone, disparaging uh, words, contentious language, hot rhetoric, uh, name-calling, demeaning talk, that has no place in God's kingdom, and no place among God's people, ever. He said, no evil talk, no slander, and then he just kind of amps it up the next one, and he simply says, just avoid fighting. I think certainly that means physical fighting, but I think it also just means that contentious attitude, right? Don't, don't be the one starting it up. Don't be the one stirring it up. Avoid fighting in your tone and in your actions, those you don't agree with, those that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't agree with you. doesn't matter that you're to avoid arguments, avoid fighting. That's what everybody else does. They're doing it all the time, not with you. And then he just kind of wraps it up. He says, always show gentleness to all people. That's pretty encompassing, right? All encompassing. Always show gentleness to all people, no matter who they are no matter where they're from, no matter what they're like, that as Christians, you are to show gentleness. You are to be kind. I think this whole section, this whole verses one and two, you could just write over the margin, be 
kind. That's what he's saying. When you are kind, it sets you apart. You know, as I got to thinking about that, I thought, you know, what would it be like if every Christian was really like that? What if, what if every Christian you ran into was just the kindest person you've ever met? You know, that maybe they didn't agree with you, but even in their disagreements, they were respectful, they were kind, they saw each person as someone valuable in the eyes of God, that they honored those who were in authority, that they appealed when they had conflicts, that they were kind and gentle. How do you think that would make the people that do not know Jesus view the gospel? But the opposite side is also true. Unfortunately, for many Christians, uh, or for people outside the church, they view Christians as people who are not kind, who are quick to condemn, quick to uh, draw lines, quick to point out the faults of others. And so here, what he's saying is, listen, we are called to kindness. And especially in a cancel culture kind of world, we are called to be kind. Now, you may be thinking kind of the thought that I was thinking, well, why kindness? I mean, why not justice? Be just, right? Or why not righteousness? Or, or, or why not truth? Why does he elevate kindness here? And I really think the rest of the chapter explains why kindness is so countercultural, why kindness opens the doors for the gospel. And so I want to give you a couple of those thoughts. So this is the time in the message where you get to write some things down, all right? So pen out, paper out, uh, write these uh, things down. Here's the first one. We're answering the question, why kindness? Number one, everyone needs kindness. Everyone needs it. Everyone needs kindness. Look at verse three. He said, for we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions of pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. He said, that's what you were like. You needed kindness, right? He says, look at how you treated God. He said, you treated God and, and you were foolish, you were disobedient, you were enslaved by your passions and, and you were not pursuing God at all. That's how you treated him. Look how you treated one another. You were hateful, malice, envy, uh, disparaging of one another. That's how the world acts, all right? That's what everybody else does. And he said, when you are acting this way, God chose to show you kindness. Look, he didn't say, get your act together, and then I'll show you some kindness. Get your act together, and then I'll show you some love. No, he doesn't do that. When you were far from God, when you were at odds with each other, God showed you his kindness. He showed you his kindness when you least deserved it. Now listen to me. I'm going to lean in. I want you to lean in on this. The same is true with you. The people who most need your kindness are the people in your eyes you think least deserve it. You understand that? The people that most need your kindness are often the people you think least deserve your kindness. Like, I'm not going to be kind to them. They've been so mean to me. They've been so mean to my kids. They treated me this way. I'm not going to be kind to them. But yet, those are the people that, you, that need your kindness the most. Those are the people that need you to demonstrate what kindness looks like. Look, it's easy for you to be kind to people that are kind to you, right? That's no big deal. That's not a big stretch. 
That, that's not countercultural if you're kind to people that are kind to you. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He goes on to say, if you love people that love you, that's no big deal. But if you love people that do not love you, well, that changes everything. That's, that's totally different. And if you're kind to people that you don't think deserve your kindness, that's what he's talking about. That's, that's what will get people's attention. So who would that be? So I just want to think about it just for a minute. Just, just think in your own life, all right? Who's that person that you would not want to show kindness to that need, you, the Spirit of God's already bring them up to your mind? All right, don't push it away. Let him bring it up to your mind, all right? It's that belligerent person at work. You're like, oh, can't stand them when they walk in the room, right? It, it's that person, that neighbor that's got the signs in the yard that you disagree with. It is a uh, it's that bully in your class that you think is so, thinks they're so that. Those are the people that you have an opportunity to show kindness to that will catch everyone's attention. You see, everyone needs kindness. You need a kindness. I need kindness. And the world needs kindness. And when we show it, it gets their attention. It's attractive, it's disarming. Everyone needs kindness. The second reason why he says that kindness is so important, that we're called to this, this idea of kindness, is not only that everybody needs it, but that kindness changes you, it changes you on the inside, it changes your heart. When you demonstrate kindness to someone, it changes their disposition toward you in, in a very profound way. Now, let, let's look back to God's word here. Look at verse seven, all right? And we're about to get into some deep water here. Verse seven, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we have become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Now, let me tell you, that passage is a dense passage. It is a heavy passage. There is so much in there. I could do a series on those few verses. It is so dense and so important, all right? But I don't have time to do a whole series right now. Uh, so I'm just gonna give you the big idea. And the big idea is that the kindness of God not only is unexpected toward us, but it changes us on the inside. Let me ask you a question. Did God save you because you had your act together? Yes or no? Uh, did God save you because you're just like really good looking, right? Somebody saying, yes or no? All right, did God save you because you just know your Bible really well? Yes or no? No. God saved you when you were a wreck, when I was a wreck, he saved us because he chose to put his love toward us. He chose to show us mercy. And how did he do it? Well, look at it. Look at verse 5. He did this, it talks about here, he did this through the, the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. See, he's changing us on the inside. He's changing us on the inside. Now, 
let me, let me step away from this and put on my theology hat for just a minute. Are you ready? You ready for some theology here? All right. So there are two theological errors that these verses, verse 5 and verse 6, address. Two theological errors. Error number one, some people teach that you're actually saved when you are baptized. Like when you go in the water and come out of the water, that somehow that water washes away your sin. And they will point to this verse when they talk about the washing of regeneration in verse 5. You go, oh, there it is. See, you're saved when you're in the water. So you can't be saved unless you get in the water, right? That is called baptismal regeneration. That's the theological term. That is not what this is teaching. This is not teaching baptismal regeneration. In fact, the Bible doesn't teach baptismal regeneration. What this is talking about is not a washing that happens on the outside. It is talking about a washing that happens on the what? On the inside. That when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within you and he washes away the sin in your life. Wow, isn't that good news? Isn't that an amazing thing? that the Spirit of God can come into your life as filthy and dirty and vile as it is, and He can wash it clean because of the grace and the mercy of God. That's the washing that He's talking about. It's an internal, in fact, our external baptism is just a picture of what's already taken place on the inside of us, all right? So that's the first one. The second theological error is that some people say, well, you know, when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we know that. You get, you get kind of the basic plan of the Holy Spirit, right? Introductory level Holy Spirit basic plan. But later, uh, you can get a second blessing, and in the second blessing, you get the fullness of the Holy Spirit at that point. And usually that's if you speak in tongues, you fall down, or you have some kind of ecstatic speech, or you have some kind of emotional experience. That's when you know you got the fullness of the Spirit. So you got your basic plan, you got your advanced plan. That's how it works. But that's not what this verse teaches. Look at it with me. He's talking about salvation. Look at verse 5. He's saying he saved us. He's talking about salvation. Look down at verse 7. Look, I'm just pointing this out in your Bible. He talks about being justified, right, by his grace, being heirs uh, of the kingdom of eternal life. So he's talking about your salvation moment. When you were justified, when you were put into God's family, when you were saved. And in the middle of that, verse 6, it says he poured out his spirit on us abundantly. That word abundantly in the Greek, uh, plusius, it, it means over the top, overflowing, rich, generous, full. It's the same word used in Colossians 3.16 that our, our, we should be full. Uh, uh, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you abundantly, like pouring out every, every pore in your body. Let the word of God just overflow in your life. That's, that's the same word. The same word used in 2 Peter 1.11 of, of God's provision of salvation is abundant and over the top. It can be the same word used of just really rich people that have an overabundance of resources, not lacking anything. And so here he is, he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit at your conversion, you receive abundance, over the top, nothing held back. Isn't that good news? Listen, all this, what he's saying is this. God shows his kindness to you. And when he shows his kindness to you, he changes you on the inside. You are washed, you are clean, you're filled with his spirit, you're changed on the inside. Now listen, same thing happens when you're kind to other people. When you show kindness to other people, it changes their disposition. 
toward you. If you're hostile, they're like, oh, they're pushed back too. But if you're kind, then all of a sudden their attitude changes toward you. Have you noticed that? I had a friend of mine that called the IRS this week. Go ahead and groan. Ugh, right? He was on the phone waiting for 45 minutes before he got to talk to anybody. That will make you upset just right off the bat. And then when the lady finally got on, uh, he could tell immediately by her tone that she had already had a bad day. And the Spirit of God just said, you need to be kind to her. So he just went out of his way to be super kind. Hey, thank you so much. Here's my question. Da, da, da. She answered the question. He said, man, thank, that's, that's so helpful. Thank you for all you've done for me. And then he kind of wrapped up the conversation by saying, um, man, I hope you have a, a wonderful day. God bless you. And there was a pause on the end of the, end of the line. And then she said, can I just thank you for being kind? <laughs> she said, you have no idea. Every person that calls me is mad. Every person is so rude. And for you to just be kind is so refreshing. See, even her, dis, her, her, her attitude, right? Her disposition toward him changed because of his kindness. That's what happened when God showed us kindness in Christ. He changes us on the inside. And, and, and when you are kind to others, it brings change in them. So we said, you gotta be kind, especially in this cancel culture kind of world. You gotta be kind because everybody needs it. It changes the heart. But let me give you one more thing that's really, really powerful. Uh, kindness is contagious. If you're kind to others, it makes them wanna be kind to other people. Look at verse eight. All right, check this out. He says, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. I love that. I'm telling you, insist that Christians are kind, all right? And then he says, so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. See, when you're kind, you impact everyone. Your kindness begets kindness, begets kindness. You know, I think that that, that Nazi soldier in Dachau had no idea how far reaching his one act of kindness would become. You see, that day he had pity on this young boy. He pitched him a potato and walked away. But it really impacted this child. Not only did it preserve his life, but it gave him a sense of, of what kindness looks like, how important kindness is. That young child survived Dachau and went on to grow into be a man. He had a wife and a family, had a son of his own. And when his son was graduating from law school, of course, his son had heard this story about the kindness that this, so, this soldier had demonstrated to his father. And when that young boy wanted to start his own company, he wanted to start a company uh, to produce healthy snacks, he decided to call his company Kind. Have you seen the Kind bars uh, around in the stores? That's where that comes from. He was inspired by the kindness of a Nazi soldier to call his company the Kind Company. And they sold a lot of Kind bars and they've made a lot of money. In fact, in 2020, the, the company was valued at $5 billion. That's with a B. But listen, he, he was more uh, focused not just on making money, but on becoming an advocate for kindness. 
He had a phrase that he would use a lot, do the kind thing. In fact, he created initiatives where people could show acts of kindness and write into them and they would reward them because he wanted to continue the ripple effect of kindness. So think about it. This soldier just did one act of kindness. He thought it was no big deal, but that act of kindness multiplied into thousands and thousands of acts of kindness. You never know what your one act of kindness may do, how it may start a kindness movement Because really, your act of kindness is just a reflection of God's kindness in your own life, right? So, the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if you're in this negative, hostile culture like we are, if you're in a cancel culture world, what really will set you apart is just be kind. There are two words to this message. Be kind, right? In fact, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say it. Be kind, all right? All right. Be kind. Now let's all say it together. One, two, three. Be kind. All right. That, that is what he's saying. Kindness. Everyone needs it. Kindness. It changes people's hearts. Kindness. It's contagious. All right. And so listen, we don't want to just talk about kindness now. We want to actually put this into work. We don't just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Amen. All right. So I want to give you a kindness challenge just for this week. Just this week, a kindness challenge. All right, so take a look at the screen here. Here's the kindness challenge. Number one, choose an act of kindness that you're going to do this week. Think about, God, who are the people in my life that I could just demonstrate kindness to? This would be a great project to do with your family, with your kids, husband and wife. Say, hey, who are some people in our life that we could demonstrate kindness to? All right, just pick one act of kindness. Ask God to give you one act of kindness this week. Secondly, participate in a Love Local project, because really Love Local is all about demonstrating kindness in our community. That's how we do it together. And so, of course, if you do not have a project, then you need to see Ray. Raise up your hand there, Brother Ray. He's going to help you out with that. And, uh, of course, if you're in a connect group, you're working with your connect group. But this is a time for you to demonstrate kindness as, as a part of a church, right? And then the third thing is simply share your ideas about kindness online. We're going to be posting some things online, ideas about kindness. And it's a great way for you to uh, share with us some of your ideas of how we can spread kindness. Let's start a little kindness movement this week, all right? Uh, As we have received kindness from God, they're real quick to show the kindness of God, all right? Two words to take away from this message. You know what they are? All right, let's say it together. One, two, three, be, be kind. All right, bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for your kindness to us. That Lord, when we were far from you, when we were disobedient, indifferent, pursuing what we want, giving no thought to you, that you, you you showed us your kindness. You sent Jesus to us. And in the gospel, in Christ coming to us, he not only showed us what kindness and compassion looks like, but he ultimately demonstrated that compassion and kindness on the cross when he took our sin on himself and paid for it in full. And Lord, just as we have received kindness 
Lord, now help us be a mirror that brightly reflects that kindness to a very hostile world. May our kindness be unexpected. May our kindness be attractive. May our our kindness point people to you, the source of our kindness, the one who has been kind to us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your patience. Just with your heads bowed, maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I don't know that I know Christ like that. I don't know that I've been changed. You talk about the Spirit of God coming in and changing you on the inside. I don't know that I've really been changed like that, but you can be. Today, you can leave this room. Today, you can leave this service with your sin forgiven, washed clean. You may feel dirty on the inside. You may may know what you've done and you may be aware of your sin and you just feel dirty on the inside like God could never accept me but right now because of Jesus you can have your sin washed away clean pure in his sight a new person you say well how do I do that you receive Christ by faith see Christ did everything necessary for your forgiveness on the cross but now we have to hear it we have to receive it we have to believe it Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is crossed over from death to life. So I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. It's just saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, clean me on the inside. And if you are unsure of whether you know Jesus, then this is your opportunity. Right here, right now, you can nail it down. So with your heads bowed, nobody looking around, if you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in that prayer, just lift up your hand and I'll see it. I'm not gonna call you out, but at least lets me know that God's working in your heart. Lift up your hand, Pastor, pray for me. I wanna know Jesus. I want to be clean on the inside. I wanna be right with God. I want God's grace in my life. Lift it up, all right? Okay. All right, anybody else? All right, thank you. All right. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ in my life. All right. Okay, you can put your hand down. If you're watching online, you can pray this simple prayer with me as well. Pray, pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your kindness toward me. Lord, I know my sin and I know I'm far from you. But I believe you died on a cross for me and I believe you rose again So I'm asking you, please forgive me. Please change me on the inside. Please show me your grace. Lord, today I choose to follow you all the days of my life. God, thank you for washing me clean today.